Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to DraftKings Network. I mean, this is a sport that's on the precipice of irrelevance. The games are taking over three and a half hours. Playoff games are taking over four hours. Game's too long, too slow. Who cares? This is a situation where baseball's in trouble to begin with. The MLB is officially dead. Baseball is dead. Rest in peace. It's been a... Great weekend of baseball. A lot of uh, interesting matchups that happened over the weekend. I know, Joe, you were at the forefront of one of those. Jake, I can't say, well, maybe I guess the Red Sox and Phillies counts. I mean, the red hot Red Sox, the hottest team in baseball versus the defending National League champions is another one. The Mariners and Astros went toe to toe in Seattle. Uh, the St. Louis Cardinals finally ending their uh, <laughs> their nightmare losing streak. And I've got some fucking thoughts about Cardinals fans because I like the ones that listen to this podcast. But, but man, the they've got fans, some real you, pieces of shit in their fan base. It's your fault. That's your fault. Fine. It's your fault. Fine. You breathe. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about attitude. it. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays. Your fault. Having a series against the last place New York Yankees at the Trop. We also have to talk about the Mets. Dallas, you also have to address the Pittsburgh Pirates situation. Not really. Coming crashing back down to earth. And the Padres and Dodgers also went head to head over the weekend. A lot of fucking series to talk about that happened over the weekend. Oh. Uh, where do you guys want to start? I'm going to I'm going to let well, Jay Hay uh, put, point that out, please. We're just conveniently overlooking that the Oakland A's were going for the sweep. We're just gonna we're yep. gonna we're just gonna yes. breeze right past that. <laughs> yep. Definitely just, just don't care. A's win two in a row for the first time all year, ready Do to take down care. a sweep, and we just right nobody by that, cares. Huh? Okay. No one cares. Jay Hay. Get, get the music going. Get the <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean. Here we go. Get the fuck yeah. Yeah. Yourself. Oh, That's not your music. Straight. Wow. Go ahead, Dallas. I got nothing to say. No, you started with Jay Hay. No, I got nothing to say. No, no, no. Oh, wow. Seven straight. Finally ran up against a pair of real teams in the Rays and Jays. Oh, fuck your face, real (laughs) team. Down goes the pirate ship. Listen, Uh, the good news is that they've only been outscored 44 to 9. During oh the seven. my god. Yeah, did you realize it was that bad? Because if you didn't, it's 44 to 9 during the seven <laughs> oh. game. Yeah. Uh the good old 175 batting average, 595 team ERA combo. Not gonna win many games like that, and they haven't. They've lost seven straight. Um, oh fuck. So that ends up. That's NL just a right of not firing and- on a couple cylinders. That's all that is. That's yep. all, all that of the is. cylinders Backfire. have stopped firing. Um, you take the spark plugs out, you clean them, throw them back in, and we're back to supercharged status. No, no worries. Listen, I don't this take, is just a little I don't take any particular joy in the Pirates losing. I just think as a fair and balanced podcast, 
when we're going to ride that the is Pirates true. when they're hot. Yep. That's all I'm here for is to be fair and balanced, and they've lost seven straight. They've been one of the stories of the season, and now we have to cover them from both sides. That's true. I mean, we, we I mean, covered the shit out of the Pittsburgh Pirates when they were red hot. It's only fair to talk about them now that they've lost seven straight games, Dallas. It, look, it's fair, but this is this is nothing. This is nothing to go crazy over, right? Who do you think they're little, gonna bounce back? It's just a little skid. Why would they not bounce back? What, what do you? Well, what because they're the pirates. No, that doesn't mean anything. That doesn't mean anything to me. Okay. What you're seeing is growth, right? Look, you ever <laughs> heard two steps forward, one step back. Two steps forward, yeah. one step back. You get off to a hot start. I mean, shake yourself. Look at where they're chilling in the standings right now. I don't. It's they're a still in first place. Just I think that bit. says and more you, about the NL Central than it says anything else. But they're still well, in it first say, place. It, it should say a lot about the Pittsburgh Pirates because what team <laughs> okay. has afforded the opportunity to lose seven <laughs> fucking games in a row and still yeah. keep their first place status? You have to mm-hmm. be playing good but, baseball, not fluky baseball. Well, you have to be playing good baseball. That that kind of just means the rest of the division sucks. They do. And that may they be suck. the case, but you know who's the best team out of all the shitty teams in that division? Pirates. The Pirates. <laughs> that's right. The Pirates. So I don't care. Okay, I don't care. Fine. Oh, right. oh, wow. Oh, look at the, look at the group of shitty teams. Well, you, you want to know who's the best out of that group? The Buckos. <laughs> the Buckos. So we're the best right now. And I'm I have glad. no hey, I'm happy for doubt it. in my mind. That this seven straight games of two or fewer Just runs. No other Just... seven straight games of two or fewer runs. Think about that for a second. Nice viewing experience. Um, no other team has more than five straight such games this season. Oh. You don't see that very often. That's, you really don't. That's tough. We're yeah. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> uh, Dallas, you can wait so your you just, turn. We're, we're just, no, Dallas, I, you I can just, wait your turn. Uh, Joey, we're blow is there, past is there... the pitching staff they're facing? That's that's. I mean, the, oh, the, the Red Sox is oh, oh, the Rays. Oh yeah, let's just. Who are they? Who are staff. they facing? Who are they facing? Oh, just the best team in Major League Baseball, who leads every fucking major statistical category. That was two series ago. Team. That was okay. two series ago. It's all part of the run. It's yeah, it's part of the losing streak. But they just—that's my point. The, that's my point. That's all part of the all run. Right, it's but all you part said of they the just faced the best pitching staff. They faced the Blue Jays, who just what, got their fucking throats throttled by the Boston Seven Red Sox days. at Fenway Park in four straight. Seven days. Seven days I tried. of facing dynamic I tried to pitching. soften up the Blue Jays for the Pirates. Didn't work, I guess, apparently. Nice little wake-up call for the Blue Jays. But, Jesus Christ. Um, Joseph, what have, what have you got from uh, this past weekend? Uh, overall, I would say this weekend was a great weekend for baseball. We had a lot of great action. If you look at the numbers, you had some teams overachieve. You had teams like the Braves win every game except for one game so that's not everything <laughs> against the orioles but honestly mm-hmm. i want to just shout out to the orioles because the orioles are looking tough as fuck and they have this reliever cano yeah. i don't know how to say his first name yanir cano how many zero runs this this year given up he's one of two guys i think who still have that with over like 10 innings pitched and He's like the new reliever this year. There's every year there's at least one new reliever. It was like Class A last year or Duvall maybe the year before, but one guy who just can't give up a run. And it's him for the for the freaking Orioles. 
They they beat the Braves. A lot of people saying World Series preview in that series. Well, th- I mean, no, him and close, fucking but. Batista have been absolutely disgusting. Yeah, Batista is a Baker scary is person, bro. Batista, if you ever play MLB The Show and face Batista, just try it. Oh, my God. It's crazy, bro. Buy the game just to face him. He's like, how big is he? In re- He's 6'8 in real life. They should have put fucking Felix Batista on the cover this year. <laughs> Dude, they basically, they didn't put him on the cover, but what, what they did to his character in MLB The Show is <laughs> even well better. Up. They made his fucking shoulders like bigger than his fucking, I don't know, his whole body. It's his whole... His whole body is just, it's like a uh, a Lego, a big block looking at you. You can't hit him. Cano, batters are 0 for 20 with 13 strikeouts off of his changeup this year. And he's running a 76% ground ball rate, too. So basically, basically he's like the perfect pitcher. Oh, you know what? It looks like baseball reference has changed, uh, <laughs> changed the, the metrics on Felix Batista here, his measurements. Because before, it was a running joke. He was like, they had him listed at like 6'5", 220. And I was like, uh, no, Batista is all of seven foot. Instead of and seven, he is seven, three. 300 yeah. pounds minimum. Like, like <laughs> eight those am I, 100 miles nobody else seeing this? It's How do you hit nasty. that, bro? It's funk. It's nobody big. does really anymore. Yeah, makes sense. Because you're fucking six, That's seven. You're fucking throwing from... 12 feet high and it's 100 miles per hour <laughs> from the clouds that that's like uh that um skills competition that they did in japan with like bonds and giambi and i forget the other guy that, that oh, did it. The guys Maybe throwing it was, from stilts? Um, no they were they were throwing from fucking trampolines oh yeah not tr- yeah not still trampoline yeah bonds still fucking took deep <laughs> against bonds but yeah. uh, yes i have seen this and i have a, i actually have something to say about that because Dallas, you it? just said Bonds took him deep, and that's what you might think from the video, but that's totally doctor. There's no way it was a home run. No, no, Joey, uh, that's real. It happened. Home Watch run. the clip again. There's no fucking I video. Did. They cut the clip, so it's like a line drive, and then they cut the clip, and then they cut it, and then it's like, oh, it's over the fence. It's fake as fuck. Yep. You think you think that there is propaganda, American propaganda happening? I don't know if America was involved with it. It was a Japanese program. Um, why would why would why would Japan want their product to look inferior to baseball MLB superstars? <laughs> I don't know if there was really their product. It was a guy on a trampoline. I don't know if that's like Japan versus America. That's kind of a guy. On a yeah, they're like, hey, we got a guy on a trampoline Japanese. that we think we think he can punch you out. Our guy versus your guy. What do you got? <laughs> well, it's not like they yeah. had you Darvish on the trampoline. It was just a regular fucking guy on a trampoline. <laughs> I don't think he was a pro. Or do anything. we know that? Do we, we know that? We I mean, don't know. Is... The whole thing's in Japanese. You don't know what the fuck anyone's so, saying. Well, hey, it's... Joe, it sounds like you're part of the Japanese propaganda machine right now. You're trying to just deduce what this athlete was or is mm-hmm. on the trampoline. We don't know. Yeah. We have no idea who that guy was. He was a good athlete. I mean, throw, throwing a strike from a trampoline like 30 feet in the air. Respect. Um, he got Barry Bonds out. Against Barry That's, Bonds. I'm actually defending him right now. They make it look like not, he got it's raked. Raked. It's not what the video says. Slipped up again. That's also like, uh, that's also uh, extremely dangerous to face to face Barry Bonds while you're on a trampoline. Like, at least if you're a pitcher, you can kind of like get out of the way, throw a hand up. If you're going traveling through the air and coming down, 
he could just shatter your face and like there's nothing you're, you you're can do about it. You're basically the human version of the fucking pigeon that gets absolutely annihilated by Randy Johnson. Is a dove. <laughs> Except for you like throw the ball up yourself and then you fly in front. You're like, let's see if I can dodge this. Whack. It was a dove. Dove, whatever. No, pi- pigeons and doves are not the same thing. They're they're related for sure. Jake, are pigeons pigeons and doves the same thing? Not even close. Not even close to the same no. thing. No, they're related. Like pigeons are like rats with wings and doves are like Doves uh, just stayed in the I mean, cocoon a little longer. That's they're, all. They're beautiful. They're beautiful. Yeah, one's gray, one's white. It's a difference. Yeah, you think. Huge, huge difference. Um, so Dallas? The other. What? What's your, uh, what's your story from the weekend? Uh, I, I was... Look, <laughs> I've got a few storylines to hold on to here with the green and gold. And mm. you put two ball games together. You're staring down the barrel of a sweep. Doesn't happen. But for the folks who listen to the podcast, who are A's fans, it's, it was a great weekend. It was a great weekend on the field watching these guys. We're watching them grow. That's what I'm excited about. And when you, what, we were seven in a row, eight in a row, we lost, I think, something like that. And you win two in a row. That's exciting. But what I like to see is we've got a guy hitting in the two hole right now named Ryan Noda, who is a Rule 5 rookie and, I believe at this point, leads all rookies in on-base percentage. Dude plays great defense. He's a fantastic base runner. Um, And the reason that that has stood out is because we have another guy at the top of the lineup who's leading, I believe, all of baseball in stolen bases. If not all of baseball, American League, easily rookies, but I'm pretty sure it's all of baseball. And it matters because that guy has to get on base so he can steal bases. You got to have somebody hitting behind him who understands how to work those at bats. And in a day and age where guys haven't been asked to do these things readily throughout their career, you know, like, hey, can you get to can you get to 01? Are you okay maybe even hitting with two strikes? If that means you've got a guy on second base, well, let's try to work through that. So learning how to do that is difficult in itself. Learning how to do that while you're being attacked by big league pitching for the first time in your life, that's not very easy to do either. So watching that happen and watching that unfold, you watch a guy's maturation and you take note of when you almost see it happening in real time, like right in front of you. And so that was something that I think really took another step over the weekend. The dude was on base 10 out of the 11 times going into the fucking third game of the series. Like it just ridiculous shit. So. Really fun to watch. Really, really fun to watch. Mm. You know what's not fun to watch? St. Louis Cardinals baseball. <sighs> this is not fun. Goldie, three pumps. No. Sorry about it. Yeah. Well, so I <laughs> I was the what? one that allowed the uh, St. Louis Cardinals fans to call in to the voicemails. Bad move. And... uh Dallas was not here. Jay, hey, Joseph, and I went through the voicemails and we kind of made the comparison that like they're cosplaying losers because you have A's fans and White Sox fans who are in actual dire situations and they should be mad at ownership and they should be saying fire everyone. 
And then the Cardinals fans are like, fire everyone. And John Mosaylock, get him out of here and blah, blah, blah. So we were like, you know, they've had literally one month of losing baseball. And they're already freaking out. They want everyone fired and they want the team to get sold. And their counter to that was, you know, we have one playoff win since 2014 or one series win or whatever the fuck it is. And it's like, but you still just come off as like the rich kid that that is like, oh, man, but like I didn't get a Benz for Christmas. You don't understand. Like, you don't understand my struggle. I asked for a Benz. I didn't get one. And yeah. Yeah, like that's like I get it, but you like they're like, oh, you know, if you're a Red, you're a Red Sox fan, you're one to talk. Like if you had a start like this, like you'd be complaining too. Yeah, but I wouldn't be saying fire the manager. I wouldn't be saying sell the team. Like I, I am a Red Sox fan, so on that level, I, I, I get it more than you do. The Red Sox either are in the playoffs or they're in last place. Like I, I've sat like yes, the Red Sox have had a lot of success, but I've also seen the Red Sox finish in last place multiple times over the course of of the championship uh, runs that they've had. So like trying to be like, oh, like you're a Red Sox fan. You don't understand. Like you win championships. You would complain too. Yeah, I've had to sit through fucking last place seasons a lot. A lot. God, Jay. No, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. But I, 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 yeah, they were getting like, and the whole like best fans thing. Cardinals fans are some of the nastiest fucking fans that I've come across on Twitter. Like, it's like Yankee fans. I get it. Like, I'm I'm sticking my dick in the beehive there. And then Padres fans are assholes for the most part. And then Cardinals fans are fucking dickheads. I, I've never like we were we were making jokes about it. We weren't even like going in on them. We were just making light of the situation. Their reactions. Did not fit the the, the punishment did not fit the crime, in my opinion, Jay. I, I the interactions that I had with people on Twitter afterwards were like perfect, perfect examples of how confused the fan base is. They were like, you know, this guy was calling me a hater for what I was saying on the, he's like, Oh, you Cardinals hater. I listened to you on the podcast, et cetera, et cetera. I'm like, I'm looking at your comments. I said, they're boring. You said <laughs> fire everybody associated with the team. Which one of us is being a hater? Which one of us is being like a fucking crazy person right now? Like I'm I have a very bland take on your team. You're taking great offense to that while saying that the team fucking sucks and you hate them all. So it's like, which side of this are we going to be on? And it's like you had people sending them like, here's our last 10 years uh, of a lack of success. And it's like postseason, 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 postseason. It's like, okay, if this is a complaint, it's what I said last time. If this is a complaint, then there are 20 to 25 teams in Major League Baseball that can lodge the same type of complaints. Like Cleveland can lodge the same type of complaints. And if that's what this is about, that's fine. But that's not a... When I thought threshold for voicemail, I had a certain expectation in mind. And that was my point. It's not that you don't have a right to complain about your team. It's that this is a fairly commonplace run of unfortunate turns of events that you, you, you had one bad April, you had one bad stretch in a span of fucking two decades. Yeah, it's just a group. It's a group that doesn't understand the pain of a lot of the other organizations or a lot of the other fan bases. That's that's what it is. That's the simple way to put it is you have not experienced the struggle. You have not experienced real pain that would actually conjure up the feelings of wanting your ownership to move on, move out, move along, whatever. That's what these other fan bases are saying is you haven't been there. It's like you would it's like getting 
a group of Amish people together in the 1800s and asking them to explain all the things they hate about technology. They can't. They don't have technology. They don't know what the fuck you're talking about. They're like, actually, life's pretty good, man. We got cows that do a lot of the work. We got ox that do a lot of the work. I got 17 children that do the rest of the work. Like we don't, technology is not really like, we can't help you there. I don't know what to say to you. And that's kind of where I would think Cardinals fans would understand where they're kind of like, you have experienced some, some pretty sustained success over a while, like on the whole. Right. And you know, what's frustrating too, is that, and I'm sure Jared was going to get into this eventually, but since we're here, like it, it feels like this poison brain stuff has now infiltrated the front office and like the managerial staff in terms of the decisions that they're making roster wise. Like I understand that Wilson Contreras is not the world's greatest (laughs) defensive catcher, but here are a few other facts. Okay. He wasn't the world's greatest defensive catcher any season prior to this one. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. The numbers for the Cubs starting pitchers last season were not meaningfully different with Wilson Contreras behind the dish than they were with, the other catchers that were on the team last year. Um, they are worse this year for the Cardinals, but it's also an exceedingly small sample. Furthermore, like there are many, many team-wide issues for the Cardinals that we can point to. Like, Has Wilson Contreras' defense or pitch calling or framing or whatever advanced the Cardinals' cause this year? Almost certainly not. But it is a fraction of the problem. Look at their team defense. They were an elite team defense last year by any any metric you can possibly use defensive efficiency defensive run saved outs above average they were an elite team this year they are at best average and defensive efficiency as them is the second worst defense at all of baseball so like that has a lot more to do with why the cardinals are not good than wilson and, Contreras's pitch calling or defense and and the wilson Contreras thing is a is a prime example of a panic button. That is a totally. prime example of a panic button. Oh, shit's not going great. We're taking stock of where the team is. Like, what do we say? Like everybody always says, somewhere between the first 30, 45 games or so, you're going to have a pretty good idea of what your team looks like. You've gone through the rotation multiple times. You can chalk a couple starts up to injury. You can chalk a couple starts up to not having your best stuff. And you're probably going to find a median there in somewhere. But to have the guy that you've just signed up for an extended period of time to be your catcher, to be your game caller, your staff leader in 24 hours, take him from behind the plate, put him out in the outfield and then bring him back from the outfield back into just maybe DH, but not catching. And that is panic mode. Oh, my God. We're not really sure of what we're doing. We thought we had an answer. We thought we had contingencies in place. We don't have anything. I, I don't remember an example of this clear of a of a panic move like certainly this early in the season that I can remember. And it's also to me, it feels like a naked example of scapegoating. I I just like Mm -hmm. where, where is the criticism of Nolan Arenado's absolutely awful play through the first month, six weeks of the season. Like I, I I get that Contreras is the newcomer and that the pitching has been a problem, but like the offense is not carrying the load either. And Nolan Arenado is a huge part of that. It just feels kind of, it just kind of feels ugly to me, to be honest. Well, isn't it what I'm hearing from what they're saying is that they have like a game plan. This is how the Cardinals pitchers pitch. And we like to throw X, Y, Z fastballs up, whatever, this count, this count, this count game plan. And that Contreras is like going off the script and calling shit they don't want him to call. And that's why they benched him. Is that right? 
if, I, I have mean, also the case, heard the going off of script stuff. Yeah. And, and that right there, this is where the front office could very well be saying, look, if you're not going to do this, this is what we'll do with you. Okay. So here's how close you are from never calling another fucking game. We'll put you in left field. <laughs> yeah. It like, seems like they, it's, it's, it's more of a like punishing one guy yesterday. This is the quote from Sunday uh, from John Denton on Twitter. When asked what Wilson Contreras needed to do to potentially be used in the outfield, a spot he played some with the Cubs, Cardinals manager Ollie Marmol said, quote, I think the question should be, what does Contreras need to do to get behind the plate, not playing the outfield? So that right there is a, we need, or he's thinking, we need more effort. We need to get on the same page. We need to have a game plan that's being carried into the game and executed, not one that's being discussed and then discarded on the way down to the field. That's what we need. So that's what that says. And straight up, you cannot be a part of that room, the the pitchers and catchers room. You can't be a part of that room and deviate because in a day and age where information is coming from the front office to that room, there's information being added to that. Then it has to be dissected. Then it has to be translated. And then it has to be given to the player. There's a lot of processes in place just to make sure we're all on the same page. And not until you become a veteran in this game and the dirt under your spikes allows you a voice in those meetings, do you start to have any input, right? Well, in today's game, you got young guys who are as much part of the rotation as veteran guys. So the idea of not having a voice, that's, that's kind of gone now. I need your input. We need to talk about this. And if we're leaving the room and nobody is on the same page and Wilson's calling his own signs and disregarding what the game plan is from the front office or what we've all decided on, that is a horrible, horrible place to be. Horrible place to be. Because now as a pitcher, you're second guessing the front office and their information. You're second guessing the catcher. And is he doing his homework? And if so, what book is he studying? Is he studying the front office book? Is he studying his own book? Do they know he's got his own book? Like, the, 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 you don't want to have those questions in your mind when the count's one, two, you got guys on second and third, and you just got thrown down a pitch that you're like, ah, well, that's weird. I don't remember talking about that in the meeting. It seems kind of like another Tyler O'Neill situation where the manager feels like one player has, isn't listening to him or, or whatever it is and is punishing one guy. And like Jay has said, it's kind of, it, it kind of puts Ollie in like a tough situation where if it doesn't work, like he's on the fucking hot seat right now because it seems like the whole clubhouse is against each other. Like Dallas, uh, you're, you, pitch, you pitched, right? So you might, do you think it could be like pitchers being yeah. like, uh, I don't really like pitching to Contreras. Like I don't like him behind the plate. That could very easily be the case. Very easily. Very easily. I'll tell you straight up. My rookie year, I was up early. I was up first. And then Suzuki came behind me. Kurt Suzuki, who went on to have a 15-year career behind the plate. When he got there, I was the medium, right? I was the go-between from the veteran starters and some of the other guys in the bullpen, veteran goods, and and Zook. Like, what don't you like about him? What are they bitching about? 
Maybe these are some things I can pass down to him because he came into a situation where he's got Jason fucking Kendall behind the plate. Like that's who he's going to be backing up right now slash trying to take job is Jason Kendall, a dude who everybody in the rotation, everybody in the clubhouse was more than willing to take a bullet for. Right. And so now you got this kid who's just come up is doing things a little different. It's not the same setup. It's not the same pitch calling. Sequencing is a little different and that throws guys off. And our rookie, my rookie year, I was joining a rotation at the time that was on, on a roll to set the record for like the most quality starts for a rotation at the time. So like these dudes were G's, right? And whatever they're not happy about, we're going to pay attention to, we're going to listen to. So it was a very tough situation for me to be in because Zook's my boy. And these guys are like, they're my new teammates. These are big leaguers. I want to learn from them. But I got them like, you know, firing off opinions about what they do and don't like. And I'm like, fuck, that's, that's going to be, that's tough. I don't know if I can really say that. Like, you know? Yeah. That, that's probably happened in the fucking Cardinals clubhouse. Like people fuck with Contreras and some, a lot of them probably love him. And they're like, why are you benching Contreras? That's dumb. Then some of the pitchers might be like, well, I'd rather pitch to this guy instead. So that's smart. So now seems like the boys aren't vibing well. In St. Louis, so well, I think this, it's time to this. This is why the bucket. yeah, well, <laughs> it's, it's why the Ollie Marmol conversation early with Tyler O'Neill got so much scrutiny. I think is because you can understand it from both sides. Where if you feel like you're a manager who's not getting the reaction from your player, and this is the last straw you have to pull, then you pull it. But you got to be aware of the spill that could come, and I think that's kind of what we're seeing. There's only one man that can write the ship over there in St. Louis. And it's Bob Garrett. See, this is this is the hot seat, baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> what do you uh all right? I'll do June 15th. Is Marmel still managing the St. Louis Cardinals by June 15th? The Bob guarantee now. could end up being like the greatest moment in podcast history. <laughs> <laughs> the Bob guarantee. Yeah. Like this, oh. the, the super mix we could put together of like the, your initial prediction and like all of the tracking of Bob Guerin's rise to Cardinals manager is just going to be so fucking electric. Mm-hmm. If you guys keep saying this shit and putting it out there. All right. Like this is how <laughs> manifestation works. At the lowest right. level, and then it just starts to starts to gain. I, you I mean, you're going to start to believe it, and that's the last fucking well, thing I need is for any one of you to start believing that. I, it's I think there's only more. There's way more evidence that it's going to happen now than there was at the beginning of the no. season. So I'm, yeah. I'm not inclined to stop believing. It's right. It's like, <laughs> St. Louis Cardinals manager of the year, Bob Guerin. Where were you? Where were you when Bob Guerin took over the St. Louis Cardinals and brought them back to the promised land? <clears throat> for the best if cardinal social media uses guarantee i i want to <laughs> fucking you want to call at me the buff guarantee mm-hmm. <laughs> yep wow wow that was yeah. amazing it's coming <laughs> you guys June should 15. get him on pod <laughs> i mean listen we should you have his number did you delete it are you, you saying like as an interview are you saying as an interview guest or like as a permanent panel member <laughs> Because I feel like he's got, he's getting pretty close to just being part of the pod. 
<laughs> if there are baseball executives that listen to this oh, podcast, there are. There are. <laughs> they've got to be like, fuck, man. Like, if if we're if we're not going good right now, we better fire our manager right now because the car we need to prevent Bob Guerin from going on the carts. <laughs> yeah, Any other managers who want to get into the conversation who may not have been in the mix prior, like the main comp, like just hit us up. We'll start talking. Yeah, yeah. we created the narrative. blockade. Shout right out my boy Eric Wedge. Mm-hmm. Bring Wedgie back. Wedgie, <laughs> local Wedgie. guy. <laughs> yep. Uh, the baseball season's in full swing. Whether you're rooting for the home team or betting on your favorite player, DraftKings Sportsbook has got you covered for all the season's action. Right now, new customers can place a $5 bet and get $150 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, everyone can hit one out of the park with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Boost your winnings with each leg you that, that you add up to 100%. Uh, I think today we're doing the baseball is dead parlay. Like, we're each going to pick one leg of the parlay. Uh, we should probably get thinking on that because we haven't we haven't made our picks yet. One I'm each. So locked in. You've got a pick, Jay. Fuck yeah. Okay, um, Dallas. Have you thought about it? I mean, I'm thinking about some serious value is what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking that you can't tank the parlay by betting on the A's. Why would I be considered the tank there? This is like <laughs> a this is like a relay race where we either all win or we all lose. Yeah, and no, Dallas I, is like, I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna go back to my apartment right now, and I'm gonna go get my cement running shoes because I, f- I feel really comfortable in those. <laughs> I feel, you know, you know what, brother? <laughs> <laughs> look, I feel look, like, I feel look, like I'm just I gonna need, carry on, some out. 35 pound dumbbells gonna, as I run. <laughs> like we're gonna have why, to, we're why gonna why have are to you create gonna do some rules here. We're gonna have to create some rules what? here. You, you can't, what? if you can't get through the fucking impression without laughing at yourself. <laughs> You can't use the impression. Anymore. Well, I mean, that, that's what you're doing. That's what you're doing to us. Why would you bet on the A's when it's like a four? If we include Jake, it's a five leg parlay and you're just going to put the A's in there. Why? Why not? It's money to better win. Be, better no, be Ruiz not. to get a steal. <laughs> I mean, was, yeah. So why can't why can't it be that way? Why can't it be because why can't it be Ruiz to steal a bag? Why can't it be Ryan No to one and a half right, Why can't it be fine? That? Fine. It, you better win. You better win. That's all I'm gonna say. Join the big league action now on DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app and sign up with the promo code Jared J A R E D. New customers can bet just five dollars on any bet and get one hundred and fifty dollars in bonus bets instantly. Only at the DraftKings Sportsbook with the promo code Jared. Okay. Um. Yeah, there we did the stories. You know, we can still hit on, we can still hit on O's Braves a little bit, but uh, I kind of want to start this segment with Padres Dodgers. Padres Dodgers, uh, Ravi had the balls to ask Mookie Betts what was the bigger rivalry between Padres Dodgers and Red Sox Yankees. Outrageous question to even put that out into the universe. Not if you know um, Ravi. Not if you know. That's it, what we call a setter. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Mookie had the Mookie is such like a PR guy now. Like he doesn't like he he doesn't want to go and say the wrong thing because he's locked into play for the like the answer is Red Sox Yankees and Mookie was just like, well, you know, like you know, could go either way. Like, no, dude. Like Padres Dodgers is even fucking close. But no. it's been appointment television since 2020. And I think we we kind of hyped it up a lot going into the weekend. 
in terms of the larger picture in the NL West because the Padres have underachieved. The Dodgers had a slow start and then they got hot. Um, could the Padres cool them off? Could, th- could this be the turning point where the Padres actually turn into the team that they're supposed to be, the team that everyone thought that they were going to be going into this year? And no, the answer is no. Uh, that's not what happened. They won the first game, lost the next two. And they're a game above 500. They have a negative run differential and they're in third place in the division. Um, that was incredibly disappointing. Like, I, I was disappointed watching Padres Dodgers this weekend. I thought, not that like I have any rooting interest, because when you talk about the Dodgers and the Padres, it's, it's like watching two uh, trust fund babies have a slap fight at the country club. Like there's no one out there that loves these two teams unless you're a fan. Like there's like the Braves, for example. I love the Braves. I'm a Red Sox fan, but I love watching the Braves. But with the Padres and Dodgers, it's literally that. It's two trust fund babies having a slap fight at the country club. No one outside of those markets is like, you know what? Good for those like little little Dodgers that could. They finally they're they're playing the way that they should. Or if the if it's the Padres that that took two out of three this weekend. No one's sitting there being like, oh, yeah, like, look at the, the underdog Padres are finally uh, given a given a run to big brother there. But all that being said, it's still the Dodgers. And I think Jay Hay had the point last week about. I bought into the hype, the Padres hype. I feel like an idiot for not going with the Dodgers to win the NL West again uh, is is anyone sitting here on May 8th? thinking the Padres are never going to become this essentially a threat to the Dodgers title? Like, is that, are are they, do they pose a threat? Do they get to 95 wins? Like what the pace that they're on? No, the answer is no. But when, if ever, do they get on this run of, you know, they won 15 out of 17 or 25 out of 31 like do when do we see that do we see that well it it, it feels like the padres are <clears throat> are the the criminals in the scooby-doo cartoon and they just get caught every time and it's the dodgers who are always the ones pulling the mask off the padres like ah you're not who you thought you were remember who we are we're the ones who win every time we're the ones who solve the crime Every time. And if it weren't for us pesky kids and our dog, you'd be in the division leading seat. And that's just not the case because, well, we're pesky kids and we got our dog. He's pretty good at sniffing this shit out. That's just how the Dodgers machine continues to run. Even when you're losing guys, even when injuries come, they just continue to step up. It just continues to happen. And the Padres, you look at them on paper, and I think the overwhelming sense of, am I stupid? comes from looking at the stars on the page and you're going, there's no fucking way this team cannot make noise. There's no way this team doesn't make a run for the division. How does this team not? And that's where I think the feeling of, am I just that dumb? Like, did I just, do I just need to go with the Dodgers every time? Mm. I also think like just stepping back about the star, star laden thing. Like if if Max Muncy is back to being kind of like that guy that he was prior to last season, then I actually think 
there isn't much of a difference between the star caliber. Like if you're just looking at production, there's not really a difference between these two teams because we always talk about Tatis and Machado and Soto and Bogarts. Okay. Those, those are all high profile acquisitions, right? Or in the case of Tatis, mostly homegrown. But with the Dodgers, I mean, you still have Freddie Freeman. You still have Mookie Betts. You have a resurgent Max Muncie who's playing as well as anybody that we're talking about. And you have Will Smith. And like, I get that the names aren't oh, as high wattage, but in, ter- hmm. but in terms of what they have produced over the last two, three, whatever kind of breakdown you want, time period breakdown you want to use, the Dodgers players are just as good. Um, and they don't have kind of like, they have more organizational depth still. Uh, that's never changed, even with the promotions and well, some of the Dodgers trades and stuff like that. Like, they're still hol- players like Outman and there Vargas. You go. That's what I was just going to say. Up. You need to holler at James Outman. Yeah, who can come up and contribute. And uh, what percentage of Outman's contributions so far this year are real? I don't know. But it almost doesn't matter because they've gotten six weeks of like down ballot MVP or all-star level production out of a guy that you had no expectation of getting that out of. And that matters when we're talking about who's going to win this division or why are the Dodgers, what is it, four and a half games up on the on the Padres, why did they take two of three this weekend? Doesn't um, doesn't Altman? I, I just think we me me specifically. I have over again. I've overestimated the star power gap, which doesn't exist. And uh, as Joey pointed out, or Joey accurately noted at the beginning of the year, the Dodgers still have the better organizational depth for sure, even if it's not as good of a Dodgers team as it used to be. Yeah, James Altman. If I'm not mistaken, he might have the highest OPS on the team or like second or third OPS on the team. Like, so that's production coming from a place that you're like, well, where's, where are we going to fill this gap? Inter. Who is it? That, was that Joe that pointed out last week about how like Outman was their seventh best prospect 14th. or something? And he just 14. That's hilarious. <laughs> Did you watch the yeah. game last night? Fucking the. Uh... Padres had a 2-1 lead. It always looks like a party in San Diego. Dodgers fans showed up big time, though. Yeah. Um, you could hear them. They were super loud. And Mookie Betts hits a home run off of uh, Hader and to tie it, and then Outman wins it. It's like, you just can't count out the Dodgers. Um, when it's, I mean, you go back to last postseason, though. <clears throat> that was a major haymaker that the Padres threw in this quote-unquote rivalry, which it is a rivalry uh, that, I don't know. Is I mean, it though? I, is I feel it? like... It is and it isn't, yeah, right? it is. It is, right? Like, like the fucking it's Padres to beat be. them in the playoffs last year. It's supposed to be a rivalry, I think. It is. I, I think- it is a rivalry. Like, they, like, the Dodgers have the division leg up but the Padres beat them in a playoff series last year. Like that, that counts. It definitely counts. I just, it, it feels <laughs> like we're still waiting for the full maturation of the yes. rivalry to me. Yeah. And, like we and need, maybe a, we, we need, a... it's filling a void for at a time and a place in this sport where rivalries are not at their peak. Right. And everybody wants this to be great. And I get that they have been the two best teams in this division. Jared, they, they, played in the postseason that for sure fucking matters but like the Dodgers have won 38 of 58 games since 2020 and they're 29 and 16 in the matchup that includes the postseason since 21 so there's no split of years where this has actually been super super competitive I just like 
Yeah, but I mean, that's, I that's why I say it's supposed to the playoffs be. last year. That probably doesn't that erase everything but, if they beat them in the playoffs last year. No, no, it doesn't erase everything. But I think we're what we're if waiting on to win for, the World Series. Maybe what, but they what, what you want is you want these teams over maybe a five year period to be the reason that the other doesn't make the postseason or the reason that the other team isn't going to the fucking World Series. That's what you want to see. And that's not what's happened is not one know, team. It's been I, I the Dodgers preventing see, the Padres. We need to see that one year where they're both 95 plus win teams. Like we need oh, to see that's like kind point. of what we saw with the fucking Dodgers and the Giants. Giants. Yes. Mm-hmm. No one asked for that. But like that should have been Dodgers yeah. Padres. And then we would have had the more, you know, when when both teams are at their best. Going head to head, that's what we've been waiting for. We haven't seen that yet. We haven't that, seen that, both teams being like, "Hey, that Dodgers like, Giants, that was an insane run. Forty fucking yeah. days. Forty days. Forty days. They played baseball in one game worth of separation occurred over a forty day period. Noah boarded up every fucking giraffe, every lion, every fucking monkey, put them on the boat, and for forty fucking days, at the end of it, one game separated." the Giants and the Dodgers. And part of what made the Giants-Dodgers rivalry compelling, at least to to me, was that not only were both of the teams very good, but it seemed like in most seasons, the Dodgers were the better team or supposed to be the better team or won more regular season games. And then the the Giants got to the postseason and actually brought home the World Series that were supposed to be the Dodgers, right? So they they were playing roles in the rivalry where you're like, Okay, one of these is like, you know, the big bad Dodgers who are supposed to be like the high spending team and the other team's the one who wins the World Series uh, and like rises to the occasion when it really matters. And I just feel like we keep wanting this to be more than it has been so far. Um, Yes. And it's not to say that it can't be uh, because, God, I mean, the the people are in place for it to be so. But um, and maybe we look back on like this stretch is just the beginning where they were just getting warmed up in the rivalry and maybe it features some of these players and maybe it doesn't five or six years down the line. Um, But I just hope this isn't the peak of the rivalry and that the Padres kind of fade away after this brief run because I don't think it's given us what we've we've expected. We got got a lot of of, of time left. I mean, the Padres are going to have this roster forever. And every time they play each other, it's sold out. These fans, they give a fuck and it's always beat L.A., beat LA in 2020 they were brawling like every time they played I wish that was still going on it was a shame there was no one in the fans in the crowd why do I not remember that they were fighting all the time oh remember the playoffs Trent Grisham and Kershaw and then in the playoffs they came after it and if you're looking at that I mean they're tied in the playoffs in terms of since 2020 Dodgers won one Padres won one this whole series was a great series Close yeah, games. Padres fans for sure. Padres fans feel like they they should be a lot more competitive than it has been, and I agree with that. And that's why I agree with what Jay has said. We we feel the same way. I I said I think it wants to be a rivalry. Jay said we're kind of waiting for it to be this rivalry that we want to see. Don't know if it has been that. It's matured backwards almost. Like it was at its peak at the very beginning. Yes, and it's since fizzled despite the talent getting greater. Well, the only reason you that you think that more talent equals more competition equals more, I guess, tension between the two. Yeah. But that hasn't I'm been not, the case. I'm not saying you have to win the division 
to, for it to be a rivalry, but the Padres have not won the division since 2006. Like mix in one of those. Let's try that. Mm-hmm. That would. And just to go back to the depth thing, too, because like I just. The Padres offensive depth and star power is still much more uh, hypothetical than like playing out on paper. They have two guys who have gotten 60 or more at bats who have an OPS of 800 or better. The Dodgers have seven of those guys. It's not even close right now. Like if Machado's not hitting and Soto's not hitting, then that's like 50% of your star wattage. <laughs> yeah. I think the best example to compare the Dodgers to the Padres is is pull up Shelby Miller stats on the Dodgers right now. Shelby He's got Miller. a 1.2 ERA. They just picked Dealing. him up. No one's even no one knew he was Wait. still playing. He's got a 1.2. Shelby Miller? Yes. Fucking D-back Shelby? Like Dansby Swanson Shelby Dealing. Miller? Coming out of the pen Dealing. for the fucking Dodgers. Dealing. Dealing. What? They Opponents are hitting under good. 100. And then Bro, Shelby Miller like broke his fucking hand by throwing a, it on like, the pitching on the mound, and then like, his delivery, he just like scuffed his own hand on the mound like that. <laughs> is he still throwing like that? Is his mechanics the same way? No idea. Still with his right arm. <laughs> yeah, still, still righty. But it, still yo, Jason confirmed. Jason Hayward has a higher OPS than any player on the Padres. There you go. Jason Hayward. There you go. The Jay Hay kid uh, of uh, Baines Meter fame. Oh, my God. That's the difference. Then you get Juan Soto. You trade everybody for Juan Soto, the best player ever, and he's got like a 750 OPS. It's the difference between the Padres and the Dodgers. Well, you could just go star for star or guys that you would label stars. Like, you could go, like, like, what do you want to do? You want to Mookie and Soto? Let them cancel each other out? You want to go Xander and Freddie? Let them cancel each other out. Like you could do that, and then see where the production is coming from. None of their regular players on both teams are hitting over three hundred. Uh, the highest Max Muncy's hitting fucking two hundred, but he's got twelve bombs. Max Muncy has the highest OPS between these two teams' regulars. It's nine sixty nine. Then Outman nine fifty two. Then Bogarts eight forty three. Then Freeman eight forty two. Then Mookie eight twenty nine. Then Soto, 779. Jake Cronenworth, 758. Like, where the fuck? Like, Manny Machado has the worst OPS amongst all the qualified players. Yeah, he's been sneaky terrible. Well, remember, yeah. if you're a Padre fan, you're not worried. And you know why you're not worried. Why? For the same reason that Manny's not worried. Because he's Manny fucking Machado, and you're the uh, San Diego fucking Padres. So <laughs> I wouldn't be worried yeah. about Machado, but I would be worried about our ability to catch the Dodgers. Yeah. 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 Especially um, if you're just going to keep sleeping on those opportunities to gain ground on them, <laughs> losing those series. Jay. Um, if you set the qualifier to 90 plate appearances, that includes Will Smith. So it's like, here are the OPS rankings. Dodgers, 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 Padres, Dodgers, 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 Padres, Padres, Dodgers. <laughs> like, like there's just, I don't know. I I think that we greatly underestimated how good the Dodgers still were and are. I think we also believe- might have underestimated Bob Guerin's influence on Bob Melvin's success. That's true. Thank yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Part of me wants to believe the Padres ownership is just going to find themselves somewhere around the all-star break, maybe not right where they'd want to be and go, you know what? Fuck it. Who's out there? Who do we want to go get? Shote. Shote Otani. Jesus. I mean, 
It's a problem. What's left in the farm? Bogarts is on an island, man. He's trying to do everything he can for the Padres, but that team stinks. Tatis is doing good. Shut up. I I called it, and he had a great week. Not as great as I said, but still a great week. It was a pretty. He's super flexible. There were a couple of plays last night where he he like slid into second base, and he had a leg up here by his head. The other leg's over there. Just did like a full split. He's fine. He made like a sliding catch uh, where he just kind of like pretzeled himself. He's fine. Uh, And our boy Eduardo Perez. Came under fire last night. Did you see this? What? <laughs> yeah. That's what a superstar looks like, Nando. That's what a superstar <laughs> looks like, Nando. So he said that uh, about Mookie Betts and like singled out Fernando Tatis Jr. Um, I haven't heard this clip, but I guess he apologized for it on MLB Network Radio. Comment yesterday in, in the game that we're going to cover first because it was a heck of a game, and I was broadcasting last night. And as soon as I said it, I cringed. And for those of you that weren't watching Sunday Night Baseball, Mookie Betts hits a home run, right? We're going to cover all of this in the top of the, uh, right. top of the hour right now. Immediately, I was going to say, this is what superstars look like. That's what I was going to say. But you get not – it wasn't that I was carried in the moment, carried away in the moment. It's that you look at the screen because you're trying to see and follow where the director is going as well. By coincidence, it popped up that it was Fernando Tatis Jr. Sure. that popped up oh, on the screen. Wow. It could have been anyone else. It could have been wow. Jake Cronenworth. It could have been. It could have been um, Manny Machado. I know exactly it could have been happened. anyone. It could have been uh, Dave Roberts. And I said, Nando, this is what superstars look like. And it sounded, and I cringed a little bit, and I said, mm, Did it sound bad or not? You start running all these things through your mind, right? Right. And this is the human side because it's all live. I own it 100% because I saw the replay later on when I got here, and I cringed, and I'm going, dang, that sounded terrible. <laughs> so not only am I going to, and this is the first time I talk about it now, but this is one that I'll have to also apologize to oh, the it's, You don't have I, to apologize. I mean, like, it's it, it comes well, off like, hey, Fernando, like, this is what a real superstar looks like. You're not one. But Eduardo Perez knows baseball he knows that fernando tatis jr is a superstar i i get that it doesn't come off great but of course that's fucking mean it like that. that's what we call the nuance of live television well and also like the to say you don't have to apologize i agree but that's also why eduardo is eduardo because he will Mm -hmm. proactively apologize for something like that where not everybody would and that's why he has the relationships he does in the game and it's like yeah, the most you, beloved you, person I've ever met. Exa- so exactly <laughs> right. Exactly right. He yeah. he yeah, he he knew, like he's explaining, like, look, man, this is fucking live TV, <laughs> like what I was saying, what you saw, those two things, you know, met at an intersection, and I can see how it came across. And he's like, No, that's that's not the message I would like to deliver. That's I see how it sounded. And to Jay's point, that's why you love Eddie. Why well, I love Eddie, yeah, but yeah, a, a nothing burger, but still wanted to make sure that people know that he's not trying to disparage anybody. Like Eddie thinks the same way about the game that we do. You want to make sure that guys know or people know, not but you want to make sure that fans know how good these people are, how good these mm-hmm. players are, how hard this game is, and he wants you to celebrate them and he wants you to love them. He's also a very energetic dude very excitable dude like when you get him happy and you get him going <laughs> eddie's 
And he's fucking great, man. He's great. And I'll always say this too. Remember, just remember how hard it must be to articulate thoughts on the fly like that in your second language. Yeah. Just remember that. Just always remember that. Always. I do it every day. People don't really give me credit for being Dominican and being able like English is my second language. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, any English speaker, Spanish speaker, but I, I always try to remind folks of that too. Like on the fly, trying to translate and process and blah, blah, blah. Like there's just, there must be a lot going on in there. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> Joseph, any big takeaways from O's Braves outside of, uh, you know, you've got um, two, I guess, pretty evenly matched offenses. Like people have been sleeping on just how good the Baltimore Orioles offense has been this year. We've seen some hot starts from teams that, like the Pittsburgh Pirates, the aforementioned Pittsburgh Pirates, where maybe that's not exactly sustainable. But then we talk about the Baltimore Orioles, a team that you go back to May of last year, and it is very much sustainable. And you look at their offense. Right now, coming into play today, Monday, there are only three teams that have averaged more runs per game than the Baltimore Orioles. That would be the Texas Rangers leading the way, the Tampa Bay Rays, and then Jake, the Boston Red Sox. The Boston Red Sox are third. Then you have the Orioles fourth, and then the Atlanta Braves are sixth. 5.37 runs per game, the Braves. And then you have 5.47 for the Baltimore Orioles. So, But for two teams that were highlighting their offenses, we saw some great pitching in this series. Max Freed came into his start, I believe, on Friday with like a half a run uh, ERA, but got taken to the woodshed by the Baltimore Orioles offense. But the rest of the series, I mean, the whole series, close games, great pitching. You saw the offense. You saw walk off on Sunday. Uh, what stood out to you, Joey, uh, between the Baltimore Orioles and Atlanta Braves over the weekend? Well, just looking at it, I would say this, like, I I don't know if we're saying this, but I was listening to like the game on the radio for like 10 minutes and like the Braves announcers were like, this O's team, they really have something to prove. You go against any team, they're going to try your hardest. They're acting like the O's are like a shit team that are like have a good record early and, and who knows, maybe they can make the buffs. I don't look at those that way anymore. They seem like a legit playoff team. I think we all agree on that. I think most people would. They're a good team for sure. The Braves, though, are a better team by far. And hmm, this was a series that made you kind of think, damn, are they really going to be better than they already have? Because Ozuna, I mean, that guy, I mean, wasn't even on the team all year and still played. So you do the math. That's bad for the team. If I isn't playing, but is playing, he had like three home runs. He's breaking out. Like if Ozuna starts playing good for the Braves, Michael Harris started playing good. He's been hurt pretty much the whole year. He's already hitting. He's getting very unlucky, but walked it off yesterday. And then you have Bryce Elder has a one point fucking one five ERA or some bullshit. It's like a new every year. The Braves have a new rookie new. I don't think he's technically a rookie, but a new young pitcher who just is a beast and he's that Comes guy this year and Glacius he returned so now we have a closer it's almost boring liking the Braves it really mm. is 
it's kind of like i don't even feel like watching that much anymore i still do because it's my job but like i don't even feel like watching until a couple months like i need it's i mean we got swept by the fucking astros and it was i couldn't even get mad it was like whatever we'll win the next 10 games that was a good sweep did pretty much i think we're all on the same page that the braves are awesome let me ask a negative question though um Mm. How lo- how much longer is the rope for Marcelo Zuna to suck before they just part ways? Like that's a great question because it's been really field. fucking long. Is <laughs> this is the third season? Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, Zuna's really has been terrible. But like, if you would have asked me this question last week, it would have been more because he had he's had a great week. Like he's starting to play really well. Yeah, yeah and yeah. the fact that they didn't cut him, like through the first month and a half where I think he had like four hits through the first month and they didn't cut him even with Michael Harris coming back with another another outfielder they sent a guy down and they kept Ozuna I don't I think they're going to keep Ozuna no matter what well he's got he's still got another year on that deal yeah. right? with an option a team option I don't know but at least yeah one more year after this yeah they're not he's not good yeah I, yeah I mean, look the Braves have clearly made it known that they don't look if he's playing well he will obviously be in the lineup regardless of anything else if he's playing well we don't care what's going on outside of the white lines if he's playing well he will play baseball for us 18 million dollars next year and a 16 million dollar club option for 25 with a 1 million dollar buyout yeah i think joey's right that if it hasn't happened uh Maybe it's not going to at this point, but it look he's got half as many homers by a guy who was both bad who was bad both on and off the field for a longer period of time than I can recall. Like I just feel like most people just fuck get cut bait. Well, here's the thing with Azuna. It doesn't really, it doesn't really matter. The Braves are awesome. I'm, I it was just an aside. Yeah, but the thing with Azuna is like his first month of the season was probably one of the worst months that I've ever watched. Like it was terrible. Like he couldn't <laughs> so- fucking get a hit and. But here's the thing about Ozuna, and like he has this terrible reputation. What's he hitting right now? 150? <laughs> yeah, but his OPS is 641, which isn't great. It was just bad, but it's compared to what he was. Like, if you watched it, you'd be surprised that it's that well, high. He hits. Yeah. I mean, it was literally. So he's got half as many homers of- as Muncie does right now. Yeah, that, that's what he does. He hits. It was 397 at the end of April. Yeah, so he's got six home runs. 397 yeah. OPS? Yeah. At the end of April, it was like OPS. five games. Ago. Joey's not kidding. Like his last six games have almost doubled his OPS. <laughs> and I think if you look at the stat, I was looking at the stats. I think his expected stat, like he's underperforming, he's getting unlucky. And but this is the point I was like trying to make. Oh yeah, I mean, can you get? <laughs> can you hit 085 and get fucking lucky? No. I would hope he's getting unlucky. No, he's getting a little lucky. But and everyone hates Ozuna, and for a lot of good reasons why people hate Ozuna. Braves fans don't like Ozuna, but it, it's a hard 085. <laughs> 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 he's hitting it hard bro listen what he hit I, I wouldn't even be able to continue the conversation <laughs> no no his, ba- his babips just super, he, he, it's a good it's a good 085 his bad well that's what the stats said oh. and it's coming true because now he's getting hot and what oh. I've been trying to say for the past fucking three minutes the fucking shift poppy the shift <laughs> well well uh, let me let me uh, I, I gotta tell you something they've uh... as much as people fucking hate Ozuna I I get the impression that people inside the Braves organization people inside the clubhouse the broadcasters who talk about him at, like like the guy like he seems like he actually has a decent reputation inside the clubhouse Quick little bow to put on this one as far as how bad Ozuna's uh, March and April was. 
there have been oh there have been thousands of examples of players getting 60 or more plate appearances in the month of March and April. In fact, there have been over 12,000 such examples in baseball history. His batting average in April of 085 is the third worst ever. <laughs> the only ones of 12,000. Uh, the only ones worse are 1981 Don Baylor, who hit 062, and 1998 Brady Anderson, who went 4 Off of 52. Four of 52. So that was, yeah, that was two years after uh, the 50 home run year. Hmm. So third worst hitter of so all they're, time. But they're, yeah, they're not, they'll never cut him. <laughs> He's a brave for life. They, they got a spot for him. <laughs> they got a spot. He's for a brave for and life. And that's awesome. Did Brady Harrison ever just like own it? Did what? Did Brady Anderson ever own it? Like, yeah, that was a little obvious. Like, my bad. Not that I'm aware of. I know they like, like, still hold out for him the veterans around. <laughs> yeah, like Camden Yards. He was just walking around, just like absolutely jacked out of his mind. He had like veins on top of veins. And it's like, all right, buddy, we get it. Like, you know, you, you did the thing. Poor Brady Anderson. Well, I don't need well, him to his... admit it. I don't need him to admit it. We're all on the same page and it's all good. It is all good. <laughs> you know what else is all good? Blue Moon. Because some beers can say that they're brewed for baseball, but only Blue Moon is brewed by baseball. Beer and baseball just go together, and no beer goes better than the one that was literally born in a ballpark. Blue Moon was created at Coors Field in Denver, Colorado. It's the natural choice for opening day and all season long. I had plenty of Blue Moons this past weekend enjoying some Red Sox Phillies baseball, but I was also taking in a lot of other series, and we're going to talk about some of those series coming up. But I was uh, drinking not one, not two, probably about five Blue Moons. Um, on Sunday night, had Sunday night baseball. It was nice to have a day game so you can just enjoy that Sunday night baseball with some Blue Moons with its refreshing flavor. Valencia orange peel for a subtle sweetness and hints of coriander. Blue Moon Belgian-style wheat ale is a -a one-of-a-kind beer that's just made brighter. It's carefully crafted and full-flavored with refreshing notes and a smooth, creamy finish. Blue Moon was brewed by baseball to give you a dose of nostalgia and get you excited for the new season. Why strike out with the same old beer when you can get something that's one of a kind? It's bold flavor, bright explosion of color, and iconic orange slice ritual. Guarantees a one of a kind beer experience. Perfect for spring weather. Best served with its signature orange garnish to showcase its beautiful bright color. A beer this good only comes around once in a blue moon, but you can enjoy it all season long. Bring the ballpark to you with Blue Moon Belgian style wheat ale. It's a one of a kind every time. Check out Shop dot blue moon brewing company.com for beer and baseball merch or visit get dot blue moon beer.com slash rocket to find blue moon delivery options that is get dot blue moon beer.com slash rocket blue moon made brighter uh celebrate responsibly blue moon brewing company golden colorado ale <clears throat> um the mariners and astros went head to head for the first time since their playoff showdown in which the Houston Astros dismissed the Seattle Mariners from postseason play in three games. Uh, The star of the weekend, Bryce Miller. He went in the finale. This this young man who is 24 years of age, uh, a little righty, was... um, uh, Little Texas A and M, huh? 
Yeah, he's not a little righty. He's he's six two one eighty, but I'm saying he's uh he's he's Texas A and M kid, and in two big league starts, twelve innings, four hits, just one earned run, has not allowed a homer, has only walked one batter compared to fifteen strikeouts, the O forty two whip, and uh, an O seventy five. ERA and he went up against a big bad Houston Astros lineup on Sunday and was dealing it was a deal fest from him in a uh, in a rubber match between the Mariners and uh the Seattle uh this the Houston Astros. So uh big series for the Mariners. Uh Julio Rodriguez went deep. Um but that's they're actually even in the standings now. That was a big Bry- series Bryce for Miller, Seattle. Bryce Miller is going to be a huge impact for this team. He's a guy. A He's huge a guy. impact. And there's a couple things that I saw in his game against us and that, that I was like, you know, I think this could be problematic for us in the future. I th- I think this guy's a little too poised. I think he's a little too cool, calm, and collected for my liking. I think he understands what he's wanting to do out there. And I don't think he's afraid of his shit either. And I don't think he's afraid of anybody in the box either. Those are issues for me when I'm looking at a young guy in our division that is not on our team. Because those ingredients, you put those together and you get a big old fuck you pie. Because that's what he's got. He's got some fuck you in there. And mm. when you look at the numbers, and you, you kind of went over the, the command, right? In 12 innings, one walk, one. This is his second big league start. You love to see that. That tells you that I am not afraid to attack the strike zone. Well, what reinforces that? The 12 strikeouts. But just listen to these numbers regarding the command of his secondary stuff. Again, second big league start. He's got two under his belt. 74% strikes with the fastball. 87% strikes with the curveball. 66% strikes with his slider. He's thrown two changeups. One of them for a strike. But when you think about a rookie, game two, still just trying to get used to the names on the back of the jersey, the third deck, blah, 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 all the shit that comes along with getting your feet wet. All that's a non-factor for this dude. A complete non-factor. He's ready to fucking roll. And for the for the Mariners, you throw another young arm in that rotation. That's just one more of these dudes that and I know this vibe, man. I know this vibe. You get three or four of us, roughly around the same age, roughly around the same sort of prospect status before coming into the big leagues. We're going to look at 2015 Mets, Dallas, 2015 Mets action (laughs) happened in Seattle. It's a fuck. Hey, I I can't say star studded just yet, but they have got some strong arm talent, strong arm talent. I mean, like a couple of those guys like Logan Gilbert and Mm -hmm. um, who's the other one? I'm blanking. Kirby, George Kirby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. George Kirby. They they were, I mean, amongst the, I don't want to say like top favorites, but they were in the conversation for Cy Young at the beginning of the year. Sure. 
Sure. These yeah. dudes are fucking nasty. Nasty. And they got dudes down in the bullpen that are fucking nasty too. Yeah. They, and they have a lot of, they've got a lot of firepower in that that bullpen. Yeah. And and look, we always I, I hate that the conversation I, I think inevitably goes back to having lost Robbie Ray and what that could potentially mean for him. Because they're gonna have mm. to figure out a way to to plug that hole. But right now, you've got Bryce Miller who has stepped up and I mean, dude. You're not even, we haven't even mentioned Luis Castillo in this group, right? Like, that's the yeah. fucking front line. That's the headliner. And we're talking about Logan Gilbert guy. and George Kirby and, and the arrival of, of Bryce Miller. You got Luis Castillo anchoring this rotation. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why I, when, when, like, you mentioned, like, Robbie Ray going down, I was like, well, that's not the worst thing. Like, they've <laughs> Don't got talk shit about Robbie <laughs> Ray, bro. Honestly, I'll leave. I'll leave the podcast. Realistically, I'll, though, I'll leave the call. If they. <laughs> If they make the playoffs, it's just it, he didn't he was not getting the start last season in the playoffs. So if they make it this year, he probably wasn't going to get a start this year if they're healthy. Mm-hmm. Like he's their fourth best starter at at best. Mm-hmm. I don't think I mean, he's that Jay, big of a loss. Do you realize what you're saying? Young award in the f- thank you. Thank what you. Am I you re- uh, the, well, the, you're you're saying that a man you're saying that our Cy Young Award winner is not going to be in the conversation for one of the three starts that we would need to win in a division series. Do you believe that? Start I'm, not, I'm not calling year. you an idiot for that, but right now, oh, a healthy Robbie Ray, because if a healthy Robbie Ray is performing anywhere near one of those other arms that we just mentioned, are you as readily, quickly dismissing Robbie Ray as a potential start candidate? Because he doesn't. Because, in- because if you've got a guy that's competing in the same realm as those dudes, and he has the Cy Young under his belt, he has the season that he had under his belt. You're still just thinking like, nope, not even an option. Give it to Kirby. Give it to Bryce. I, mean, I don't Miller. think it's not an option conversation. I think he's clearly the fourth best starter on this team, um, given what we've just laid out. And I, I'm confident in it because they had this situation play out in the DS last year and didn't give him the ball. Um, and he was not very good in the wild card start <clears throat> against the Blue Jays either. So no, he was not. Yeah, no, I would. We're all on the same page that Castillo is the clear one, and I think Kirby and Gilbert are two and three clearly in that conversation. But maybe I'm wrong. Well, no, no. I mean, come. I think it's fair to say that come postseason time, Castillo and some combination of Gilbert, Kirby, Bryce Miller, whatever. Like those are probably your options, right? I don't know how much consideration Marco Gonzalez is going to be getting at that point in time. He's probably going to find himself in the bullpen. He's not been terrible. Along, no, he's not. He's not. Look, I mean, you don't. So I'm the last. He, he's dude got a 470 to, ERA and a 396 FIP. Like that's I'm not the, bad. I'm the last dude you have to convince on Marco Gonzalez's viability. I am the last dude on planet Earth. Well, you said he sucked <laughs> earlier. Uh, well, uh, well, really, not even close to that. Yeah, I, he did. Uh, so the combination of Bryce Miller, Luis Castillo, Ger- George Kirby, and Logan Gilbert, uh, those four guys have a 387 ERA. A 321 FIP, a 116 WHIP, and an 820 strikeouts per nine, which is fine. Um, but 15 quality starts between the four of them. Uh, somehow a record of nine and seven. But yeah, this 179 innings pitched and a 387 between those four starters. I, and obviously, like Bryce Miller has only made two starts, but I, I feel like there is a lot more interesting pitching in the AL West than there was like two or three seasons ago. And Houston's For kind sure. of its own thing, but like 
and the names have changed, but mostly Texas and Seattle are carrying the load. But as we've laid out, it's not just them. Like Oakland's got a guy or two. Um, I mean, even Patrick Sandoval is like interesting by the standards of what the Angels have contributed to the division over the last four or five years. You know what I mean? I just think there's terms of quantity. There are more interesting arms coming out of the AL West than there have been in a long time. Yeah. And the Rangers, I know this is a completely separate thought because we've been talking about the Mariners, but the Rangers are for real. Like well, I, I know that we can we can joke about the Pittsburgh Pirates, but obviously there's going to be major regression there. But what the Pittsburgh Pirates have done is, I, I don't want to like slap my guarantee on sustainability there, but I, I feel like the Pits, the the Texas Rangers have a team that is kind of built right to stick time. around. You're right. When I was time. when I was looking at storylines prior to the start of this podcast, that was one of the things I wrote down that I wanted to make sure that we discussed is that the Angels, or I'm sorry, the Rangers are up to a plus 85 run differential, which is 60 five runs better than the next closest team in the West. Um, and let me tell you and, why they are pleased the way they are right now. There's a player on this team that I have been watching for many years. And well, I should say multiple years we had him and there was, you know, discussions. We had multiple catchers at the time organizations do you're making your decision on what the depth behind a Sean Murphy at the time looked like. And there was a name, Austin Allen. There was another name, uh, Jonah Heim. And mm-hmm. Jonah Heim has been outstanding behind the plate, and he has been outstanding at the plate as well. You're talking about a switch-hitting, power-hitting catcher who at the moment, I believe, is like second or third in the team in home runs, uh, second or third in the team in RBIs, somewhere around there. Um, he's hitting over 300, OPS over 900. like. He's fucking swinging it right now. And they need this. This kind of lineup right now, you're getting that from Heim. You're you're getting viable production from Josh Young. And then you know about the other guys in this lineup. So I look at Jonah Heim, though, as a is a guy in this lineup that adds length to it that I don't think people identify right off the bat as the guy who is adding link to the lineup. Cause you look at the health of some other guys in this lineup. And I think that's where your eyes go. And that's where you think the responsibility goes. And I understand that, but that's why I wanted to make sure that people have an idea of what Jonah Heim is doing, because that is really, really fucking important for this team. It, and just to reiterate, they're doing this without the guy who was assumed to be their best offensive player. And the guy who uh, was, projected to have one of the largest increases or benefits from the uh, removal of the shift shift of any batter in baseball um, Mm -hmm. in Corey Seager. So really intrigued by what they could be when they get hit. Their whole lineup is going off right now. If you look at just their OPS plus going down the list, it's like it's eight out of seven out of nine guys with an OPS plus over 100, which is like well over 100, 115 or above. I don't know if there's another team like that. It's like every single person's hitting. What? And remember last year, what, it took Marcus Simeon until June. Was it May or June to hit his first homer? Yeah. Yeah. And it was a grand slam against, that's right, the fucking Oakland A's. Uh, but, mm. you know, and what's he, I think he's had like five or six homers this year, but, but just little stuff like that. It helps, <laughs> it helps this look the way it does right now. <laughs> 
But to me, that almost that almost is a bad thing for them personally, because that just to me that means they have what, a lot uh, room. Is half of their half a billion dollar infield. No, doing I'm just well? saying like the fact that eight out of nine guys are hitting well above average. Like that's not going to continue. And a lot of these guys are people you wouldn't ever maybe no don't even know. Like you ever heard of Ezekiel Duran? I haven't personally. But that's maybe the thing I'm a about, loser. Well, yeah, I'm an idiot. But that's. But. <laughs> You, for sure. But compare, I'm going to, hey, compared to the Pirates, who they're overachieving, but they got a lot of guys underperforming and they're still doing it. So I'm looking forward, like they could get guys get hot, they can do good. Where I'm looking at the Rangers, like they really kind of only have one way to go in terms of their offense. Well, and I, I think that's doubly true. We can be optimistic about the Rangers and still acknowledge what Joey's talking about too, because in situationally, they've also, unless you believe that the Rangers are like, much, much better at hitting with runners in scoring position than every other team in baseball this year, which I don't think they are. Uh, they've gotten very beneficial in those scenarios, too. They're hitting 338 with runners in scoring position. The next closest team is 289. Their OPS is 951 in those scenarios. The next closest team is 873. So, but e- even if they're isn't this what we know about team- baseball? What's we know that, that they're gonna, you're, you're gonna have moments like this, like there's lulls, there's peaks and valleys. And sure. we like it's not a it's not a lazy question to ask because you do have to ask it, but I think it just kind of spurs along further assessment when you ask it, which is is this sustainable? And I think we ask that rhetorically, knowing that it's not. But what you have to remember is that teams that have the smallest gap in between runs like this and then those moments where they sort of come back down to earth. That's what separates teams. And in those moments where they're excelling and performing beyond their potential production, what do the other players who aren't performing at that time, what does that look like? Are they taking away so greatly from the moment that it's affected? Or is it really a non-factor? And and right now, you're watching the Pirates go through one of those downturns where things were as good as they could have been and now they're not as good as they could have been. And what happens when they're not as good as they could have ever been? Well, you lose baseball games. And that's how shit goes. And you're watching one team experience the highs of productivity across the board. And you're experiencing one team wa- watching them experience the lows of that. Mm-hmm. <sighs> um, that puts a bow on the Texas Ranger. But uh, there was there was one guy in particular that I, I did want to hit on. The Rays wanted to hit on him too, but um, he hadn't given up a home run all year. So I figured if we were going to talk about pitchers that hadn't given up homers all year, once they finally do, that's that's newsworthy, is yeah. it not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, Garrett Cole was was pitching against the Tampa Bay Rays yesterday. In a another rubber match between, uh, I know that normally we we try to talk about the teams that are in contention, but unfortunately the Yankees are in last place in the American League East. But they were playing the best team in baseball. That would be the Tampa Bay Rays, and Garrett Cole was at the time having a good season. Um, he was handed a six to nothing lead on Sunday, and uh, that's kind of where it all unraveled. For for the for the for the burly right hander, <laughs> and uh, the Rays were able to uh, scratch across 
six runs, only five earned, fortunately enough, um, uh, in a game that they would go on to win uh, in walk-off fashion in uh, extra innings. Therefore, the Yankees uh, dropped the series to Tampa uh, in Tampa. So I just had to note that because, you know, we're talking about someone wanted to come at Joey a few episodes ago because Shohei hadn't given up a home run. And they were like, well, you, you didn't mention Garrett Cole as someone that hadn't given up a home run. Well, he gave up two and um, blew a six to nothing lead in a in a game that the Yankees had to have. They had to have that game. Thank you, Jared, because uh-huh. I didn't want to say that because people come after me. You know, they say, oh, you mm-hmm. don't you only talk mm-hmm. about Garrett Cole and he gets shit on. So thank you for bringing that up because mm-hmm. I, I was too scared to bring it up. Yeah. And I mean, I've been fair all along with Garrett Cole this season because I saw, you know, these 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 fucking idiot Yankee fans. We're like, oh, you, Garrett Cole was dominating all year, and you never wanted to bring him up until you until you had one bad start. And I'm like, no, no, no. I've I've given Cole his flowers on this podcast, on Twitter. I've tweeted out statistics. I've I've sung his praises on this show. But just the same way that Dallas does with the Pirates, if you're going to talk about them when they're good, then you have to talk about them when they're bad. And I I've talked about Garrett Cole when he's been good. And man, blowing a six to nothing lead is is that's. That's bad. It's not good. It's definitely not good. Under no circumstances, under no microscope, could you spin that into a way where it's good? Um, especially when you gave up two homers, when you're you're someone that's never uh, given up a home run all season. To give up two, that's bad. Give up a 6 nothing lead, that's bad. Um, but yeah, congratulations to the Tampa Bay Rays on, on winning yet another series. They, uh, that, you know, we keep saying, when, when are they going to regress? When are they going to come back down to earth? The answer, maybe never. Have they lost double-digit games yet? They have not. They are 28 and no. 7. <clears throat> they yeah, could very 20... well go two months without losing double digit games. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Like no one's even fucking close right now. Like if you were to go to uh, the next best team in baseball, it's the Atlanta Braves and they're four games back of the Tampa Bay Rays. Like, am I regretting my decision to not? Uh, oh, yeah, you are for sure. Switch to the for Rays. Sure. Yeah, I'm regretting. I'm regretting that now. I'm regretting that now. Yeah, it's a, it's that that's a done deal. That <laughs> bed was made a while ago. You yeah. think it's a done deal? What do you mean? The Baltimore Orioles are five and a half games back, and they're in second place in the division. Yeah, I, I think it's a done. Mm-hmm. The Orioles would be in first place in uh, any, d- any other, other division, division in baseball, except you know what's funny. Looking right. at the projections, is the Rays have a seventy-one percent chance to win the division, and that's the same. And the Twins also have a seventy-one percent chance to win their division. Those two teams have the same chance to win their division. I don't trust that stuff. <laughs> it's just funny. That no, it's just sense. funny. The Twins play such a shit division; they're so much worse and still have the same odds than the Rays, who have, haven't lost yet. Does not make sense. Life is um, sweet. If you want to go down to Tampa and check out Randy Land, which is their new section, uh, I believe it's it's stupid. It's only on Friday nights. Like in St. Louis, you can go sit in uh, Big Mac Land any night that you want. But if you want to sit in Randy Land in Tampa, it's only on Friday nights at the Trop. But anyway, well, buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets to all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you with killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun that you'll have. Uh, <clears throat> I, I'm actually, I know I say that I'm going to travel places and, and go to different ballparks, but I really do want to see the drop. 
I really do want to see the chop. I know that a lot of people shit on it. They say that it's a terrible place to see a, a ball game. Dallas, how would you grade your experience at the chop? Uh, at the chop, I've always had great experiences. Always had great experiences. Um, I like, I mean, but I'm, <laughs> they have a fucking fish tank there. So you're going to win me over with a fish tank. And if you let me play yeah. with your fish in the fish tank, you're definitely going to win me over. So uh, I'm a fan of the trop. I've performed decently at the trop. I don't mind the trop. I appreciate it for its, uh, for its dingy glory. Okay. Terrible place to try to catch a fly ball. The roof is the same color as the baseball. It's impossible. <laughs> it is like you could legitimately stand there and have somebody throw the ball up and be like, oh, fuck, where's it at? Oh, there it is. Dallas so I couldn't Braden imagine at Tropicana Field. Yeah. So we're going to fact check this. He said he was good there. Dude, I mean, so I, mean actually, I was literally I was literally doing the same thing. <laughs> it's not great. Dallas Braden at Tropicana Field. Oh, my God. You no? sucked. 22 yeah, no. innings, a 491 ERA. What do you think? Alphabets can't I mean, see the ball. What do you think is going to happen? 12 strikeouts in 22 innings, 23 hits in 22 innings, 12 earned runs. <laughs> Actually, this is pretty good for Dallas. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how many home runs? Only one home run given up? All Who right. Who give it up to? Hmm. I don't know. Probably BJ Upton. I don't know. When you played, it was probably like Greg Vaughn. Greg Vaughn. Hmm. The, uh, you know why I thought yeah, Fred, no. Fred I, maybe I thought that because I came into <laughs> Fred McGriff, Fred McGriff. giving up to Wade Boggs. Well, I, I remember an outing. I came. I um, we had just left or shit. We had just left home and flown to worry, Boston. I'm going to find it. And I legitimately landed in Boston, opened my phone and found out that my grandma was in the hospital. and. The messages were, you should get on a plane and come home. And so I was like, well, motherfuck. So I, le- I legit got off of our team plane and had a car take me to Logan so that I could get on a flight and turn around and fly right back home. Flew home, spent time with my grandma. And then the next start I made was in Tampa. And... I, we were wearing fucking throwback jerseys too, and I was I was about as unhappy as I could have been because I didn't like the fucking big awkward jersey a la Chris Sale, and I was just fucking not happy, not in a great headspace. And I think I pitched well that game, so I think that's probably the game that I that I'm thinking about that makes me think I pitched well <laughs> in that building when I probably didn't. Mm. Well, yeah. let me, no, you yeah, didn't. Let me just clarify. <clears throat> you definitely that. didn't. Is that 2009? Um, no, I, I was just going to say the home run came against Jason Bartlett. Um, oh, yeah. Fellow 209. Uh, just, just helping the stats. Just helping the stats. Yeah, but no big deal. It was only a 2-2 game in the bottom of the six. That made it 3-2. Uh, you guys lost. Oh. Yeah, no uh, problem. See? You blew it. Let the bull but anyways, go. Game Time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive uh, flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy theater, and more. The game time guarantee means that you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Get images of your seat before you buy. 
so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, use the promo code Jared, J-A-R-E-D, for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem with promo code Jared for $20 off. Download the GameTime app today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Um, yeah, Dallas, that was... How many starts did I make good. in Tampa? Four. Four? I'm looking at... Uh, see, I went to back to 2009. Uh-huh. That, that's what I was looking That I think that's what I was talking about. So, uh, yeah. yeah, like in May... Yeah, you made two of them in 2000. Yeah, four total, two of which came in 09. Mm-hmm. Oh, nine Got was taken decent. to the woodshed. One start at Fenway, fucking three and a third, six hits, four earned. Yeah, oh. I had a 104 degree temperature that day. Mm-hmm. Oh, There's always man. an excuse. I'm sick. Yeah. Grandma's sick. Fucking no, no excuse. Yeah, I took just... the ball. I July twenty sixth, no Yankee yeah, Stadium, five and two thirds, ten hits, seven earned. July 16th at home against the Angels. Five innings, 10 hits, six earns. Mm. May 16th on the road in Comerica. Ugh, mm-hmm. Five innings, nine hits, six earns. I'm just reading box. That was when he got sent down and on his birthday. Oh, yeah. You definitely. No, this is impressive because it's very was, hard that, to hit a home run at Comerica that was in Dallas. <laughs> or, oh, wait. Dallas gave up six home runs and four starts at Comerica. Two to the same That's guy. That's the most home runs you allowed at any ballpark. Two to the same guy is the same inning. <laughs> most Maglio home runs Ardonians. ever allowed at Comerica history. That's impressive. Yeah, you can't, That's actually impressive. You can't do that all your own either. I blame Wilson Contreras. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You uh, big <clears throat> control guy because he, you know, he hit seven batters in Oakland naturally like that's that's where you pitch the most but never hit more than one batter in any ballpark outside of Oakland did balk three times total in your career though wish you yeah. could have those back mm-hmm. in Seattle fluky. too fluky nine wild yeah. pitches mm. no you were so asked to you were asked to intentionally walk two batters in Seattle do you know who you were asked to intentionally walk Oh, in Seattle. Uh, Who did no, Bob Guerin Bel- say? Hey, maybe Dallas Beltre? Had no shot against this guy. Put Probably him on. Jay Buner. Maybe Beltre? Beltre could be a guy. Was Nelson Cruz there at the time? No. Uh, Yeah, Nelly? No, he would have been in Texas, though. Felix Fermin? Well, I saw him in Texas, too. Yeah. You ever, uh, you ever get in a dust-up with Bob Guerin when he told you to put put someone on you said skip i got this one he said i know for a fact you don't no no because as you can see that didn't happen very often <laughs> like i've seen you pitch sir you do not have this <laughs> yeah you don't got this <laughs> no that didn't happen that's why they need fucking bob garen in st louis because he'll he'll have pieces of shit players like dallas that think that they can get guys out and he'll just tell them straight up like you ain't got it put them on that, that's that, what you need that, Bob Guerin for. Put that guys will on. not happen. That that may have been the problem. That will not happen. <laughs> yeah. Are, are you guys not intentionally walking enough people? <laughs> yeah. Aaron. Yeah. It's time to bring yeah. in. You Bob. get Bob Guerin in that clubhouse. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like to run this play where we get two outs with one pitch. It's high risk. It's high <laughs> risk. It involves intentionally walking, guys. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Hear me out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bob's tired. He I, wants to limit the number of pitches. Just double play. Yeah, Bob. Bob loves traffic. <laughs> if there's one thing, there's one thing Bob Garen loves. It is traffic because more guys, more guys on, more chance to to run the double play. People don't think about that enough. People are scared of traffic. Not not Bob Guerin. Bob Guerin has like these like summits every offseason where he goes to major highways and has his team stand out in the middle of like major uh, frequented highways because if he it's the whole thing is built on we're not afraid of traffic. Not at all. <laughs> not at yeah. all. Uh, one last thing I want to hit on before we get the fuck out of here. Um, if you're a Mets fan, are you well within your right to be concerned about your team? Well, as the only Mets fan in the podcast, I will answer that for you. And I think there's a little bit of concern to be had over things you've already talked about. Uh, the guys you rely on older age, I think getting swept by the nationals, then did they get they just lost a series to the fucking then you Rockies. Get hit with the Rockies. They lost a series two games to one. They were outscored eighteen to nine. The one game that they did win was one to nothing. So it's not like they had some out- offensive outburst uh, in the game that they did win against the Rockies. They won a one nothing ball game and then were outscored eighteen to eight the rest of the way. Here, here's the thing: I think this applies to the Mets and it applies to every team that is not the Dodgers and the Braves. All of these other teams are competing in a mass of mediocrity, and I don't know who's going to emerge from that group. Because well, to me, it, it applies to all of it applies to the Mets, it applies to the Phillies, uh, it applies to the Pirates and Brewers, and whatever we think is going to happen to the Central, and it applies to the non-Dodgers teams in the West. Like I just, if 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 there's an NL takeaway six weeks into the season, it's that we have two very good teams, and I'm not sure about every single other team in, in the league. This will be a good test for yeah. the Mets right now because they've got <clears throat> their staff lined up. Scherzer, Verlander, Singa, I believe, going against the Reds right now. So if there was an opportunity for you to get right, <laughs> there's an opportunity for you to get but it back already on track. started Dallas. They fucking they they played the Braves and then they went into a stretch where they had three with the Tigers and they got swept. Which, by the way, respect the Tigers. Like I, I had I'm it the other day. Forward. I'm looking forward. I'm. I am moving. Okay, that's why right. I said but, there's but an opportunity is, to get right. You're it's talking right about entering a soft part of the schedule. They're already in it. They got swept by the Tigers. They just lost two out of three to the Rockies, and now you have the Reds for three, and then you have the Nats for four. Before you welcome the Tampa Bay Rays uh, and the Cleveland Guardians, I, and then the Cubs to to Queens. That's point taken. I'm fine giving the Mets a second until we see what Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer like healthy reeling off a couple of straight starts looks like. And then if they're still a 500 team or Scherzer still stinks, then it's major, major panic time. Yeah, I mean, yes. they had. Yes, the, that is I just think that's why to- I'm si- right now matters right now. I, I, I get that you're saying they're in that soft spot of their schedule. Yes, they are. Right now, today. They will be starting a three-game series, very important, because they have one, 
two, three lined up in the rotation. And I was going to add on to that. They're also going to be facing two out of the three big guns for the Cincinnati Reds, right? Mm. Hunter Green, Lodolo. So you're going to get your tests, I guess, on both sides of the ball. What are we going to see from Scherzer, Verlander, and Singa over these next three against a team that we feel like they should probably handle? And what are our off? What is our offense going to look like against a couple arms that should probably be higher end arms as we move forward in their careers? Will be higher end arms as we move forward in their careers. So sweet spot in the schedule hasn't happened, hasn't worked out. But as we sit today for the New York Mets, you can go into the clubhouse today saying today's the day we get right. Right now is when it starts. And everything I just said to you is why you can walk in there feeling that way. Game of baseball, Jared, you understand that you got to pick certain dates, right? You got to pick certain moments where you're going to plant the flag and take a stand. It's almost like you I look mean, at baseball in cycles or you look at baseball segments. in segments. Huh? So yeah, yeah. let's let this be a three. Now you're finally segment. coming around. Now you're no, seeing no, no. it. I just know that you understand this language. So that's why I'm speaking. Perfect time. for. I'd be so fucking pissed if I like this right now. Some bullshit. Dude, they just because like their schedule has been so easy. And I got to assume it's never going to be this easy again, especially with the new schedule. If you you get they lost the they started two weeks ago. They started two weeks ago. They played the Nats and they played the Braves. Then they played the Tigers. And then they just played the Rockies. They went three and nine against three out of four of the worst teams in the league. And then you have two more series against the Reds and the Nationals. So it gets just as easy. It's almost like a must win. I wouldn't say it's a must win. But if you don't win, you look pretty bad. Kind of like what Jehe was saying. It, after these seven games against the Reds and, and the, the Nationals, and they're still like where they're at right now, like I would be in Frank the Tank mode. Like, mm-hmm. I would be already, honestly, but still. Mm-hmm. That's bad. It's bad. I mean, I, you know, uh, that's that's an off season where there was a lot of hype. I know they didn't end up with Carlos Correa, but it was definitely one of those where it's like probably for the man. best right now. What's it? What's Correa's he doing? playing like dog shit? Is he? Yeah, he's got like a 600 OPS. Ooh. he would not be helping the cause um, right now, even if maybe they'll be better if they had him long. I just Charles Correa I, is hitting a buck ninety three with a six forty nine OPS. I I just can't get worked up about the Mets anymore until I see a few rotations of Verlander Scherzer because that's what this team is built on. That's the whole idea of the pitching side of this team, and <clears throat> I just we're gonna learn a lot in the next two weeks as we've laid out, and yeah, then it'll be panic time because then it'll you know, be the, then it'll be basically the end of May, and we'll. You can really learn a lot about where you are as a team at that point. And if you want to panic about anything, it's that the Braves are so good that the division's out of out of touch at this point, probably. <clears throat> yeah, Joey, Which is what do you have to say to the people that are calling the Braves frauds because they're the only team in the division with a positive run? They're right. Braves suck. They're frauds. <laughs> they hit it right on the head. <laughs> we suck. We just played dog shit teams and we beat them, but you know, Braves are shit. Hey, win the games you're supposed to, Joe. <laughs> win the games you're supposed to. When 18 out of the 30 teams are no good, you're going to see a lot of teams that are no good on your schedule. That's, 
how the sport works. Uh, and those got to win. Those some teams too. beat them all. Some teams go three and 12. And <laughs> that's the difference. Listen, the difference. listen, every, the Cardinals need to sell, burn it down. That applies to like 28 of the teams. There's <laughs> mm-hmm. only two good teams in baseball right now. Everything else is just, burn they suck. Down. And you got to beat those. Teams. I get what you mean, Jay. Hey, but yep. I honestly have to push back. I think Steve Cohen, I think it might be time to sell. We could talk. Yeah, that's a really good point. We could talk about this later. We (laughs) could stick a pin in it, but I think that's a conversation that has to be had one of these days. I think Mm -hmm. Oakland, I think the A's go to Vegas. I think the Mets go to Oakland. We just do a little shift around and everybody's, here we go. Well, why don't, why why doesn't, why don't John Fisher, he could have two teams. Maybe he buys the Mets and everybody's happy. That's a good idea too. John Fisher, two teams. Steve Cohen sells. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Dallas, any comment on A Rod potentially buying the Oakland A's? <laughs> that would be so cool. <laughs> Good start with the Minnesota Timberwolves. <laughs> I I wouldn't know what to do with myself. I was gonna say, what would you do? That's really the question. What would you do if A Rod bought the A's? Probably say welcome know- to your mound. I would I would know what to do. Yeah, you know what I would do is day one that he shows up to the ballpark, I would have a red velvet rope ceremony, like where I would welcome him yeah. onto the mound. Here. Come on in. Welcome. I mean, it's not your home. This my it's still my home, but you're now welcome. Well, I mean, it's you're just a tenant in his home. No. Yep. He owns mm-hmm. the building. You're just you're just like uh you're just like well, a that's the funny thing about that's the funny thing about the situation there, Jared, is he don't own the building. <laughs> or would you want to? You know? Yeah. Um another question. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. But you you'd be you'd be lucky to have A Rod as an owner. I'll say that. I think it's good. I hope they just keep him on the on the K Rod cast. Even if yeah. he becomes an owner, because taking that away from the fabric of the game would be really too much for me. Emotionally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It'd be a crime. Yeah. I, I honest, would... I want to meet one person, one single person in real life who is tuning in for the K Rod cast. I've never met a single person. Who is that for? What is that doing? Uh, is it is it on ESPN two or something? They're still grinding on the K. What is cast. it? What is it on? It's the alternative to the uh, Ravi Eduardo Perez. It's not literally I know every that. single. But like, where can you find it? I don't know in the garbage can. <laughs> oh <laughs> wow! God damn! Well, I'll, I'll, I'm going to see Michael. Oh my K god! Today. Like we don't all agree. <laughs> <laughs> I. I'm on the record as being a Michael K guy. I love Michael. I don't K. care about Michael K. That's not what this is about. That this is I about could go A-Rod. either way on that. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. It's the listen, A-Rod's like I the worst to... analyst in sports history. So I I I like Michael K a lot because he is a he's a big time radio guy in New York that talks about baseball. Here yeah, in Boston, yeah. we're told here in Boston that you can't talk about baseball on the radio because no one cares. They they'll talk about fucking football when the Celtics are in the finals and they'll talk about hockey because they have the broadcasting rights because they don't have baseball broadcasting rights. They don't give a fuck. And if you look at 
the roster of radio personalities, it's all left over from Tom Brady. So because the Patriots and, and football are king in Boston from the Brady days, every personality is football first and they don't know how to talk baseball. Ever since Loomer Loney got taken off the air, he's the only fucking baseball guy we had. And now he's not on the air. He's doing the broadcast. There's no baseball guys. So they don't talk about baseball. Which Michael is so K, funny. Like because... I'll sit down and listen to the Michael K show because I know that I'm going to get Yankee talk. That's objective. Like he'll shred them. Like if they're not, if they're not playing well, and then he'll talk about baseball on like a broader national scope. And that is just such a foreign concept to any fucking radio personality in Boston. It's crazy. It's funny that Boston radio is in that position because the Patriots from an, from like a objective national standpoint could not possibly be more boring. They're, they're painfully boring and mediocre. Like I, I couldn't give a fuck about the Patriots right now. Like honestly, but that's like, all roster, they talk about because that's all they know wise, how to talk about. Up and down the NFL, like you'd be hard pressed to find a, a roster that is less exciting than the Patriots right now. And yeah. they got to. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna name names because I don't like pointing people out. But there was a baseball discussion on Boston Sports Radio where they were attempting to criticize Heim Bloom, and the name Thad Ward got brought up, like someone that was taken out of the Red Sox organization in the Rule Five draft. And uh, the rule five draft was referred to as the 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 rule of rule. five draft, <laughs> and Thad Ward's name got brought up, and I was like, "Who wrote this?" I was like, "There's <laughs> no fucking way that you knew who Thad Ward was before today, and you just called the rule five draft the rule of five draft." Like that's where we're at in, in terms of our ability to to talk about baseball. Is like there are behind the scenes like script writers for some of the radio hosts where it's like, uh. We need to attempt to have a baseball conversation today. Like people are out for blood. We need to at least try. And there's like script writers. Like Sad. that's where we're at. So trying to grow grow the game mm-hmm. with the young kids. I mean, you can't even talk on the radio. I mean, it's <laughs> it's how the kids the radio. get into the sport, dude. David, turn on the radio again. Come on. I don't know. I don't, I don't want know. It. But that's my final thought. That's my final thought is I am a Michael K guy through and through because he fights the good fight by trying to keep baseball in the forefront. Um, on national radio, at least talking about uh, baseball in in the national sense and then the regional sense. So, um, well, any other? I didn't see thoughts? Michael K coming as the final thought from our our lead dog. That's, That's me. Stuff. It's my final yep. thought. Jay, hey, any final thoughts? Anybody want to guess the last person that Dallas Braden intentionally walked in his career? Oh, um, yes, Raul Ibanez. <laughs> no. That's a good guess, though. I like it. <laughs> Carlos Ruiz. No. Also a guess. Um, I'm going to guess it was a right-handed hitter, so Abanya That's is true. not the best guess. Uh, I'm going to say it was Jose Quintana. Mm. No, no, wait. No, who? Carlos Quinton is, I'm thinking. Carlos, oh, okay. why did I get those mixed up? Left Carlos Quinton. For the fuck. It, Carlos Quinton was the name that I was fishing for in my brain. Uh, no. Like that's a that's a great poll. I love I love a good session of name that guy. Uh, the answer is Quinton. Matt Kemp. Mm, Matt Kemp. Oh, okay. So not like a completely unguessable guy. No, a guy that it makes you sense. Know, maybe was deserving of an intentional walk in this game. Um, that was yeah, Pete yeah so Matt that, Kemp in Dodger Stadium. Yep, yeah. that's exactly right. So that's uh, that's my final thought. Before he was fat, Kemp. Yeah. 
that was actually the game that I got down a successful sacrifice bunt against Clayton Kershaw. You're right. That's right. Oh, <clears throat> you're welcome. Can't pitchers can't do that nowadays. Lost art. No, yeah. no, I don't. Uh, we didn't win that game, did we? I'm going to go ahead and did play we? the play the numbers. Say no, you didn't. No, you <laughs> did not. Lost an extras five to four. <sighs> Uncle, I think I pitched you had a nice up. start though. You had a nice start. You did. You did just fine. If you're into, if you're a me guy, if you're kind of into like, what did I do? For sure, uh, you did yeah. fine. Six innings pitched, two earned. Okay. Yep. All right. Good. Nothing I could do. I mean, fuck. Nope. I mean, Kershaw allowed zero, but okay. y- yep. you did your best. Okay. That's true. Always do my best. All right. We got to take a break and talk about Zinn nicotine pouches. We're always talking about what a team needs to get to number one, but Zinn nicotine pouches are already there. Zinn has helped millions of people achieve lasting change, earning the title of America's number one nicotine pouch. If you're a smoker or you're a dipper looking to make a change, look no further than Zinn. Zinn is made with six simple ingredients and is available in a wide range of varieties, including spearmint, citrus, and even coffee. And it's available in two strengths so you can control your nicotine satisfaction. Because it's discreet, you can enjoy it anywhere, anytime, so you never have to miss a moment of the game. Plus, Every can of Zinn earns you points towards premium items like tailgating gear, top-of-the-line tech, Zinn swag, even gift cards. Find your Zinn at your local convenience store or online at Zinn.com. That's Zinn, Z-Y-N.com. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Oh, yeah, we got to do our picks. Oh, well, I can start. Diamondbacks, minus 1.5. They're playing the Marlins today. Um, bad mix for the Marlins. I have a feeling uh, their offense stinks. They're up against Zach Gallon, 0.84 ERA over his last 32 innings, 47 to 1K to walk. Uh, Arizona's averaging 7.4 runs per game over their last eight. Meanwhile, the Marlins average 3.3 runs per game overall this season. That's last in Major League Baseball. They also have a 648 OPS against right handed pitchers. That's 27th. I'm going D backs minus 1.5. Wow. That's a pick. Uh, mine's easy. Esty to steal a bag. Okay, very simple. Very simple. I told you everything you need to know about his base running prowess at the beginning of the podcast. If you've forgotten, he leads everybody and everything when it comes to stolen bases. So <clears throat> he will be swiping a bag. Go ahead and book that. For me, um. I'm predicting a big week for the Mariners. I think the Mariners right now, I think they're fourth place. End of the week, this time next week, they'll be in second place. And I think they beat the Texas Rangers tonight. So just take the money line. Minus 170. <laughs> Seattle Mariners. Minus. Ooh. But it's a parlay, so you throw it in there, you know? <laughs> Fuck it, it's a parlay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the idea is to make money, Joe. Yeah, I mean, one simple. I say one minus one seventy. That you're like, well, why would you? Why would you do that? I mean, but parlay, you know, parlay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't you don't want to make, take all. You, uh, you don't want to be too risky. I would bet. When you parlay, you parlay. I can't say it any better myself. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. Who are the A's playing tonight? Take the, the other team. Nestor Cortez on the mound. Oh, 
Nasty right. Nestor. You take a look at the what first is, what's three, the A's money hitters. line like plus eight hundred plus nine hundred. Uh, you take a look at the first two hitter, first three four hitters in this A's lineup against left-handers. Mm-hmm. You ain't gonna be talking that shit. Ain't gonna be talking that shit. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. it's all good. It's all good. Mm-hmm. Ruiz, easy. It's mm-hmm. an easy call. Estuary Ruiz is stealing a bag tonight. It's happening. Do I like do I like Brent Rooker against Nasty Nestor? You love Brent Rooker against Nasty Nestor. You mean the guy who's got the highest OPS in baseball? That Brent Rooker? Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, all right. So Brent Rooker yeah, has a 750 slug against lefties and he's going up against Nestor. So I'm going to go Brent Rooker. Do I want two plus total bases or do I want to play it safe and to say Brent Rooker to get a hit? Get a hit. Never, first of all, never bet a guy outside of his time zone. That's rule number one. That's that's rookie shit. But if you're gonna, just go for a hit. I'm gonna do Brent Rooker to get a hit against Nasty <laughs> Nestor. Uh, Brent Rooker this season, a 750 slugging percentage. He's hitting 321 with an 1144 OPS against left handed pitching. Zach Allen getting dragged down by two uh, Oakland associated bats on this parlay. Mm. Is Jake in the in the parlay? Uh, the Red Sox are off tonight, so I'm going to sit this one out. Okay. <laughs> Thank, Thank God. God. Wait, God. Dodge, dodge <laughs> one there. Yeah. The Red Sox are playing good ball right now. Jake. And collectors, yeah. that's true. God eight of nine. Eight pod. of nine. Eight of nine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Guardians, they, Jays, they... and Phillies too. Real teams. Yeah. I'm on the Red Sox. I'm following. I got you. Yeah, we got a good club. We're not here for the bullshit this year. No. All right. Send in that parlay. We'll put it out. We'll retweet it. Get in on the action. DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, if, if you listen to the podcast too late to put it in for Monday, I believe we're going to be doing this every Monday. So check social media if you are looking to ride with the baseball is dead Monday parlay, we'll put it out on social presumably before the podcast comes out. So uh, you won't have to scramble last minute to get that in. Anyways, um, any other final thoughts before we get out of here? Yeah. Um, I'm going to take this time <clears throat> to address the passing of one of the game's most exciting talents from the moment he burst onto the scene. To the minute he retired, this dude had fan bases all over the place falling in love with the Oakland A's. And it wasn't just because he had a sweet fucking name and wore his first name on the back of his jersey. It was because he literally burst onto the scene. Before he won the Cy Young and the MVP in the same season, He had exactly 10 starts under his belt as a starting pitcher. He had pitched in exactly 18 baseball games before the 1971 season in which he led the league in ERA with a 1.82. He had eight shutouts that year. Eight shutouts. He won 24 games. You want to know how many of those were complete games? 24 of them. Yeah. Vita Blue was the motherfucking man. And don't ever forget it. Fun little trivia question for you folks at the bar. 
who was the last American league or who was the last switch hitter to win MVP. That man's name is Vita Blue. There's just you want to talk about a lifetime of incredible stories and occurrences. And, and I mean, and I said this on air the other day. I think it was yesterday, actually. I wish I had stories that I could that I could share <laughs> with Vita or about Vita. Some of the funniest stuff that that I have to share are things that I, you know, that I'm not gonna say publicly. This dude was even in as he got older, just a <laughs> a shit talker in the best way possible. Like when you you have that friend in your group who just fires arrows and embarrasses everybody and everybody loves that person. Like that was Vita. That was Vita. And just the, the warmest heart. And you can feel and see the impact that a person makes or has really when you hear other people speak about them. And I called my man, Stu, Dave Stewart. And like, I, I know I'm not putting Stu on blast when I say this, but like, I, you know, it took a lot for Stu to be able to put words together when I started talking about, you know, how, how much I care for him and, and how much I know he's hurting right now. And you could just hear in his voice what Vita meant to him, to, to guys like Shooty Babbitt, to, to guys like Reggie Jackson, like all of these guys just espouse a level of love and thankfulness for Vita that I'm very fortunate to have just really heard and shared their emotion on this. And as somebody who, you know, Vita spent time and lived uh, in the 209 for a while and, you know, spent time in the Bay Area. So just being able to hang out with the dude and talk to the guy is a, uh, it's just one of those things that you, you wake up and you pinch yourself when you realize that you had that opportunity in life. And uh, again, the stories and the sentiments echoed by everybody who was privileged enough to be around him really, really drives home the human being aside from the ridiculous statistical, you know, just the number like Vida, you're missed, man. You will be missed. We love you. The A's love you. Baseball loves you. Kansas city did a great tribute to him. And it, uh, I, I know it happened in many other places across baseball. So it was just a, it was a sad day for the Oakland A's, sad day in baseball, but a, a life that should be absolutely acknowledged and celebrated, not just in Oakland, but across the baseball landscape. And it was, and it was really cool to see. All right. We, have- uh, we will. Oh. Uh, okay. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>